gaze at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the 49ers versus Houston Texans game recap show. Game recap show, Ant. We're going to talk about everything that was this 49ers big win against the Texans and uh, all the positive things that came out of it, as well as the fact that Trey Lance in his second start in the NFL got a W against, Uh yes, some people would say a bad Texans team, but it was a bad, hot Texas team that was coming off of two 30-plus point performances offensively, holding two different teams under 20 points, including a a Chargers teammate that has had one one of the most pro- prolific offenses in the league for a having a young quarterback in, in Justin Herbert. Now, I granted they were missing some key starters and other things of that nature, and that probably played a role in it, but you can only beat who's in front of you. Um, and the Niners need to do that this week. You had to beat who was in front of you in this Houston Texans team. You had to do it knowing you weren't going to have the, the guy out there who's led the way most of the season in Jimmy Garoppolo. And they came out in a big way offensively. And yes, they struggled early, but they figured it out late. But you know what didn't struggle at all, Ant? From start to finish, this run game was absolutely fantastic. Uh, guess what? They ran weak side a lot today. Uh, or excuse me, a lot yesterday. And all of those runs ended up being big chunk runs for Elijah Mitchell, 8, 9, 10 yards at a time. Uh, 21 carries for 119 yards, and uh, plus the receiving touchdown. Yeah, there was a, a mentality, you know, that the 49ers came out and, and wanted to establish the run game, and they showed it early. You know, Elijah Mitchell with the, the first play run, Debo Samuel with the second play run. They wanted to go out there and prove what their identity was, and they were trying to take advantage of the Houston Texans, you know, weaknesses on defense. But also, what they were trying to do was get Trey Lance into situations where he could be successful. And ultimately, what they needed to do is get this run game going. They could get the play action going and game going and get him outside the pocket where he could get some rhythm throws. Even early in this game, when they tried to get that going, Trey Lance struggled a little bit on the outside, threw the ball behind Kyle Juszczyk, threw the ball behind Jawan Jennings. Um, you could tell he was trying to find his rhythm and trying to, you know, feel comfortable inside the pocket, feel comfortable outside the pocket, but mainly just feel comfortable with his reads. Um, and it seemed to be a little bit of a, a trying issue early in this football game. He was leaving the ball flat. Uh, defenders were able to time and get up and knock the football down. But you've seen a little bit of a shift in the second half. But this offense was pretty much stagnant in the first half. They would have some key runs. And then ultimately the, the drives would stall out when you had a negative play or something didn't go their way. Um, which included, you know, a couple misses from Trey Lance where he missed open receivers. We knew this was going to be something that he struggled with. He's still learning how to operate this offense at a high level. He does have an understanding of the offense, Alex, which I thought was nice seeing him in pre-snap reads, being able to can plays, get in and out of plays like we wanted him to be able to do pre-snap. But still, when it gets to the post-snap, he's still struggling a little bit when everything starts flying, everything starts moving really fast. The only good one good thing he has going for him, though, he has legs to be able to get outside the pocket, sure. extend plays, and give himself an opportunity to get the ball down the field to a very talented receiver group. Listen, he, he there was a third down near our own our own goal line where he hits his back foot. He has a couple of guys open on the middle on some slant routes. He's not able to hit either one of them, um, and he's able to extend out of the pocket and find Brandon Ayuk to convert the first down and keep the drive going a little bit. Um, those are trace strikes. His weaknesses are missing the open guys early on. Yeah, um, and he did that early. You're right. He did not look comfortable early in this football game. 
And anyone who wants to say, you know, well, maybe Kyle's trying to get into a rhythm with Trey and Trey, you know, she's trying to get into a rhythm. Yeah, that's That may be the case. That may be the, the reality here. But when you're Kyle Shanahan and you're dialing up plays and guys are wide open, you're just sitting there going, my guy, I'm giving you the opportunities. I need you to figure this out. I need you to figure out the coverage, what's going on and where to put the ball in space. Um, so I, I don't know if that's the case because there were open receivers. Um, there was the, the Debo Samuel where he comes in motion and, and then runs a little stutter go on the outside. It's the one he throws the pick when he uh, you know attacks at George Kittle. He misses Debo wide open on the backside of the field. Um, and he rolled that way too. So he was already on that side of the field. He, you know, I know the read, read one was probably to go back to George, but I didn't really see George being that wide open for him to want to stick with that throw. Um, then he has uh, he has the one, uh, another one, I believe it was the Trent Sherfield one across the middle of the field where he, he missed on that. He missed, missed the linebacker, doesn't see him in space. Um, there were bad stuff, but there was a lot of good. Um, him extending with his legs, him getting the ball to guys in stride, um, him putting the ball up in spots where either George Kittle's coming down with it or no one is on the big one-handed grab, taking the shot into the end zone to Brandon Ayuk where B.A. almost comes up with an incredible catch. Um, there, there were a lot of moments where it's like, man, it's arm talent. It's something. It's something to behold. And we all know that. Um, you like seeing those things. I like seeing him being able to do that. But he's only able to do that in this game because the run game was so effective. You rush 21 times for 119 yards, almost 10 yards a carry. You're getting darn near close to that to that number. Um, yeah. Defenses can't just sit back and take the over-the-top stuff. They have to come up and stop the run because you're going to keep gashing them. And once they do, that opens up those areas for him to be able to shine in his best asset and quality, which is his deep ball throw. Yeah, I, w I would like to say that maybe that number skewed a little bit by the fact that Elijah Mitchell had like the thirty something yard run at the yeah, end of the football a, game. There's a good chance. Um, but I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give you credit for it because that holding call against Trent Williams, where he got a sixteen yard carry, got taken off the board when really that is on the backside away from the play that had you know, nothing to do with the play and it should not be called holding at any time in a football game. I don't care if it's against the 49ers or against another team. I don't want that called. But I thought that the run game did enough. I thought there were moments that they could have been more successful, um, but they ultimately did enough to win this football game. And I thought Trey Lance grew as the game went on. And that's all you can ask from a young player is, you know, as they get comfortable seeing how the defense is playing, seeing how these players are playing against his talented guys, that he found opportunities to get the ball. And I thought the end of the, the end of the half, that drive where he hit Brandon Ayuk and Brandon Ayuk made, you know, some big plays, especially the one to get out of bounds. That was huge. I thought that those were huge. And those were plays that Trey Lance was absolutely, you know, firing the football in there. And early on in the season, the big talk was the 49ers wide receivers could not catch the ball from Trey Lance because he threw the ball too hard. In this game, they were snatching most of them. I know we had a drop from Debo Samuel. We had a drop from Jawan Jennings. But Jawan Jennings drops footballs from Jimmy Garoppolo sometimes, and so does Debo Samuel. Those Correct. things are going to happen. I didn't think it had anything to do with velocity. So you could tell that there's more of a chemistry now with Trey Lance and these wide receivers than we've ever seen before. And so I think that, you know, the development is there. And as long as he continues to develop, continues to be able to read defenses and locate his open receivers, um, that he's going to have, you know, a lot of success. And that throw that he had, you know, late in that football game to Debo Samuel and Debo, you know, flattens out that post pattern and comes across. Um, He put it right where Debo Samuel could get even more separation away from the defender, able to break a tackle and make a touchdown. That's a nice read by, by uh, Trey Lance. And uh, I like that he wasn't gun shy. You know, he had an interception early in the game, but he, He's still willing to take chances. He took the, the deep one to Brandon Ayuk where they get the pass interference. He took the deep one there to Debo Samuel for a touchdown. Uh, so, yeah, those are those are big things that we like from Trey Lance. And this is what we talked about. Houston Texans, if you're going to sneak one of these safeties up into the box to try to take away you know this run game, you're going to leave yourself vulnerable to big plays from Trey Lance. 
you know, down the football field, and he took some chances, and they worked out for the 49ers in this game. They definitely did, and he distributed the ball. He distributed it around. Brandon Ayuk, four receptions. Debo with three. Kittle only had the one, but it was a – God, it was an impressive one. Uh, Jawan Jennings with two. Trent Sherfield had one. Elijah Mitchell with two catches. Kyle Uchek, two catches. Jamichael Hasty with a big third-down conversion catch as well. Um, the ball got distributed. He only had the one, I guess, egregious error on the pick, uh, people will call, because he underthrew that thing. It's pretty, flat. It definitely flat and yeah. not where it was supposed to be placed. Um, other than that, solid performance from him. And would have been even better, too, if you don't get the B.A. holding call um, in, the, in the red zone on the quarterback power, which was a great time to call it. And, and again, the Niners, whenever, whenever they call that quarterback power with Trey Lance, dude, they just execute that thing to a T. They really do, other than B.A. holding. Other than that, it was executed to a T. It was. They got you know juice around. They got George Kittle around. They sealed that edge, and really gave him an opportunity to get up there and and make a play. You like to see that from the young guy. And I want to give Kyle Shanahan a huge props for the touchdown pass to Elijah Mitchell. The design on that play, getting George Kittle into the backfield, um, and then having George Kittle look like he's running the counter play. So he's going this way and then goes you know away. Linebackers are flying, oh, flying with it. Elijah Mitchell looks like he's running that counter play. So he starts that direction, but then just continues and going out in the flat. You get Trey on the move to the right side where he has a choice, um, but there was no choice because Elijah Mitchell is absolutely wide open. Brian Ayuk is there in case a defender decides to try to make the tackle, and but we, it's a walk-in touchdown. We have seen Trey Lance in similar play-action looks, red zone, preseason, Cardinals jo- not Cardinals, Chargers joint practice, where he fires one into, I believe it was Jermichael Hasty, stupid late. Remember that? Jermichael Hasty was basically standing at the goal line waiting for the football, and Trey finally comes back to him on that situa- in that situation off a play-action look. We've seen that before. So that tells you how much the development has changed for Trey Lance. Coming off that play-action, recognizing how much the linebackers have shifted and not even looking for something else, just going right to the guy that he knows, I can get this to you, you can walk this in, it's easy money, it's beautiful, it's seven points, it's what the 49ers needed at the time. And tip my hat to Trey, and tip my hat to Scangarello, and tip my hat to Kyle Shanahan. They've continued to develop this kid. It's obvious that he's improved. This was a much better performance from him overall. And the 49ers playmaker stepped up in a big way today again and made plays. Kittle with the one-handed grab. Uh, Brandon Ayuk catching catching the ball, breaking tackles, running after the catch, getting out of bounds, giving the Niners opportunities for three points. And then Debo Samuel, obviously, in the run game and the big middle crosser and catching the ball, breaking a tackle, and uh, you know skipping his way into the end zone. Yeah, he just does Debo things. I mean, true. Debo doing Debo things. Yeah, he's going to make an impact all over the football field. Um, and the 49ers have a lot of playmakers that have, you know, an impact in this game. And, you know, Alex, my offensive key matchup in this game mm. was, in fact, the 49ers playmakers against the Houston Texans defensive backs. And the reason that I chose this was because I knew that they needed to help Trey Lance. They needed to get the ball into their hands, and then they need to make plays and just ease the pressure on him. He was going to feel the weight of the world. He had the pressure of not only starting for a second game ever, um, in the NFL, but also he had the chance that he had to win this playoff, you know, win this game to help the 49ers make the playoffs. There was going to be pressure on him, and they helped alleviate some of that pressure with big plays. And it started with Brandon Ayuk making, you know, huge, you know, runs after the catch and really getting the momentum going for Trey Lance, getting the momentum going for this 49ers offense. They needed that at the end of the half. They got it, and it turned into foot, it turned into points. And I thought they had left some plays on the field early, whether that was not converting on fourth down. You know, or even Trey Lance going out of bounds before he picked up a first down. I thought those were situations that could have went the wrong way, but the 49ers playmaker stepped up when they needed to make plays. They did it in a big way, and they got enough done against the Houston Texans. Ultimately, that's the difference in this game. Um, so well done to Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle making the big catch with under four minutes to help that four-minute offense continue to be successful. 
um, and Elijah Mitchell for getting it done on the ground. And that was Mikey matchup, right? Was that run game against this this Texans front? If you're able to establish the running, you're gonna take pressure off Trey. And that's what it came down to today. Being able to take care of the Texans front. Um, they're gonna stick nine guys in the box. You need to be able to try and find a way to run. We kept talking about how backside is most likely the area they're gonna have success, and they had a butt ton of success running backside, including situations where they started backside with the run, and Elijah Mitchell was able to cut back across the grain back to the strong side because of the flow having to come in to compensate for their weak side backer not being that great and them just not playing that well on the weak side against the run. And the 49ers took advantage of it. And they used Kyle Yushik in a lot of different ways. Um, they got creative in the red zone to create opportunities as well. And when your run game is going that effectively, 5.7 yards per carry, um, you know, it, it's tough on defenses. You have to sell out for the run. You have to try and take it away. You have to load up. And when you're able to load up and teams aren't able to just necessarily send blitzes and pressure because you don't know if on second and eight, this is a passing down or a running down because yeah. the Niners may go for it on fourth, which means they may think to themselves, we got two downs to run this thing and get this to fourth and manageable. Uh, teams aren't just able to pin their ears back. And that's what Trey adds adds to this, this offense in this picture. And I know if there were a lot of 49ers fans early in the game and at Levi's that were booing and upset with not going for it on fourth and one and fourth and inches or going for it and running the ball and you know getting stopped and stuffed early. I think all of those things helped set up what happened later in this game which is you know, opportunities for the 49ers to get that play action going, getting the middle of the field open up, um, and really letting the Texans know early in this football game, hey, we're going to run, um, and you're going to have to do everything you can to stop it. And the 49ers run game did what it needed to do. Um, you know, He had close to, close to 150 yards rushing today in this whole team. Um, when you have that much rushing power going on, good luck. Uh, good luck when you're able to move the football that much. It's a surprise that this game wasn't worse than the final score indicated based on how well they ran the ball and how much they controlled the time of possession. Yeah, one of the most pivotal, you know, situations and, and times in this football game is when the 49ers go down 7-0. And it's on it's you know getting around the two-minute mark, or I think it is just under two minutes. And the 49ers have an opportunity to go down. And they're you can tell they're trying to be cautious the way Kyle Shannon has been cautious throughout the season. But the Houston Texans are using timeouts. They get the 49ers off the field and you get this punt. And in this situation, they get the ball around the 40-yard line with an opportunity, you know, to pick up, you know, 25, 30 yards and have a field goal opportunity and the Houston Texans can go into half 10-0. In that type of situation, it changes the way Kyle Shanahan's able to call offense. He would have had to come out in that first drive and he would have had to count on Trey Lance to continually throw the football. He wouldn't have been able to rely on this run game. However, this 49ers defense stiffens up in a big way. Um, Eric Armstead comes up with an absolute huge sack on second down and it completely changes that drive. And in fact, the 49ers use timeouts. Kyle Shanahan's aggressive, one of the top two teams in the league, in fact, in scoring in the final two minutes of a half. That is a great clock management from Kyle Shanahan, even though people have come to the comment section recently that watch other shows and say that the, he's one of the worst at it. Um, I do not, however, believe that, and the, the, you know, the kind of the proof is in the pudding, right? Um, but it was another great masterful performance. You've seen Trey Lance get the ball out, you know, to Brian Ayuk, and they get into field goal range, they get the field goal, and it, I believe it changes the momentum of this football game because we all know what happens in the second half. But it does not happen without that 49ers defense stiffening up, without Eric Armstead having an absolute fantastic game. He was getting pressure continuously. Thank you, Adam Archuleta, for pointing out when Armstead was bull rushing. When they got him one-on-one -on -one situations, he absolutely walked his offensive lineman back to the quarterback. Always. Always. He, he did a very good job in this game. He was very impactful. And that was a big reason why this 49ers defense 
was so good was the way this front seven played against that run game. Yes, they gave up yards, but it was bend and don't break for the 49ers defense. He had an, he had eight total tackles on the game, and they credited him with a half sack on that one. Even though I think he should get Um Armstead played phenomenal today. Um, he played great. Uh, Fred Warner played great. I think Fred Warner finished with 15 tackles on the day, which is a crazy number. Plus, he had that forced fumble at that one point in time. Um, it, it was a it was a masterful performance, and this is something we see from this team consistently with defense. Teams pick and choose who they want to be the guy that beats them. Um, this was not a day where DJ Jones lit up the field. DJ Jones had his moments, and he had a couple times where he came through, did his one arm single arm after destroying and some guys the run game, against yeah. the run game. Um, but there was a lot of double teams on DJ today. You know who there wasn't a lot of double teams on Armstead. They picked Armstead today for whatever reason. They were like, hmm, no DJ, definitely no Nick Bosa. But you, Eric Armstead, let's see if you can you can slow this thing down. And he did it in a big way today. Yeah. Uh, he took care of business. Samson Ebicom um, also had a nice performance today. And Arden Key yet again. Uh, talk about a guy who keeps getting keeps getting sacks taken off the table at, for nonsensical calls. Is that roughing the passer? Yes. You think so? 1,000%. Based on the rule? Yeah. Not actually, though, it being roughing the he hit, he hit him. He hit him in the knees. I, I'm aware. He hit him in the knees. I don't like that rule. I, I don't like it either, but I'm telling you, if you don't hit someone from the waist to the chest... You're going to get flagged. You're, you're that's the only place you can hit a quarterback Correct. now. In fact, when it happened, I immediately said, There's that's roughing the pass. Yep. And and I didn't know if it was him or Charles Dominihue at first that did it, um, but it was definitely Arden Key. And it's just one of those things where he goes low. And we've seen this called in the 49ers' favor. The, the the refs are pretty consistent. Now, unless he would have been blocked into him. But Which I thought he, I thought that may have been the case, and then they showed the replay. Yeah. No, he just, he just made his, a great move. Made a great move. He made such a great move that he started to fall over. Yeah. And you know what? Jordan Willis, again, making a big play. In fact, has the strip sack. Yep. Um, huge play. And he came scot-free. I mean, yeah, you might want to block that guy. The Texans, the te- that, that, was total, that was a total miss on protection. That, that was bad. But it's nice seeing Samson Ebucom, Arden Key, you know, um, Jordan Willis, these Amen- guys. Amenahue, all of them. Man. Oh, yeah. Amenahue, too. Amenahue almost made a great play on that reverse as well. Oh, so close. Um, that looked very Kerry Hyder-ish, to be honest with you, where he's just a little bit slow just for the just... angle that he had. But, yeah, you're right. This defensive line has stepped up in a big way, and, and those guys are a big reason why. Oh, 100%. In. A hundred percent. I mean, the, the defense... Defense, yet again, did what it needed to do. This is what we were hoping for, right? We were hoping for this... this sort of seven point, you know, one score performance in which you just didn't give the Texans a whole heck of a lot. And because you don't give them a whole heck of a lot, uh, what are you, what are you to do if you're the Texans? Um, you know, you can try and throw the ball as much as you want. They averaged 3.6 yards per play. Yeah. I mean, they were having to check down every which way, especially in the second half, there was no time for Davis Mills at all whatsoever. And everything was covered. It's, it was Brandon cooks or nothing. That was, it, it, it was Brandon cooks or nothing. Okay. What do you think his stat line was? Cause I just pulled up and looked at the numbers. Based on uh, what you remember, what do you think his actual final numbers were? I would have to guess he probably caught like six or seven passes for about 65 yards. Okay, that's dang near close, man. Yeah. Seven catches for 66. Yeah, I figured that's probably where it was. Of course, he had the long play that gets wiped out down the field. Yep. Um, but it was a lot of rhythm throws for Brandon Cooks. 100%. But they were struggling when they had him on the outside. I mean, conventional wisdom is you put him on the outside against Norman, you know, and against Ombre Thomas. But it wasn't until they moved him to the slot and took advantage of K1 Williams or took advantage of Jimmy Ward um, those were the matchups that they started getting success with. It wasn't on the outside because the 49ers were running the two deep zone, you know, most of the game and, and taking that away. Um, if you watched the 49ers cutback during the week, you already knew that was about to happen. 
because uh, Brandon Cooks has been worrying us for a couple weeks. But besides him, I mean, we talked this week about um, I wasn't worried about Nico Collins. In fact, I told your dad on air last week, Don't anyone can it. cover him. Uh, and then Brevin Jordan just didn't show up. The 49ers' safeties absolutely erased him. He was not an impact in this game. It was basically Burkhead and Brandon Cooks. Those were the only two weapons. Jalen Samuels on checkdowns. Yeah, I mean, really, I wasn't worried about that either. It's pretty much Burkhead had a, a pretty good game overall. Burkhead played pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and overall. what a good guy, too. I just think Burkhead's a good guy. Agreed. Yeah. And my defensive key matchup was D'Amico Ryans against Davis Mills, and it was all about confusing him. And we talked about it was going to be a similar game plan to what he did against Trevor Lawrence, and that's exactly what they did in this game. They were going to force the Texans' hands to run the football. They were going to give him, you know, run boxes. That it was going to be seven men in the box, and then he was going to have to navigate and convert on third down. And in fact, Alex, my third down conversion, while that's bold, that they were going to be under 35%. In fact, I said 34%. You did say 34. And they get 33.3% in convert, uh, conversion rate on third down efficiency. Um, yeah, I knocked it out of the park on this one. Literally did. Yeah, I, I felt pretty good about that in the special teams this week. I was kind of on target. Um, it won't always happen, so I'm going to savor the flavor. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good matchup for the 49ers. I thought D'Amico Ryan did an excellent job of protecting his corners early in this football game. You seen as the game wear it on, they started finding a way to you know get one on one situations, and I think he played a little bit into that where he was trying to put pressure on Davis Mills. Yep. And we talked about that. You bring one of those safeties up, or you bring K1 Williams on a blitz, you're going to have situations where you get one on one. You have to make sure that at the right times. Unfortunately, Josh Norman caught on the pass interference. I didn't think it was actually that bad. It, it wasn't feel like it. it. It wasn't as egregious as normal because he's turned, you know, turned looking for. The I actually, football. I actually hated it because he turned. Yeah, he turned, and I was like, I don't understand how it's. Archuleta is right. If he turns the other way, there's no call. But because he turned into Brandon Cooks, they call it. Um, but it's it creates a new storyline because they benched him, and now Dante Johnson is going to be the starting guy. But ultimately. Once again, D'Amico Ryans comes up with a good game plan. D'Amico yep. Ryans goes out there and confuses the young guy. He makes him, takes all the checkdowns. All the guys rally. And then we talked about this. You force Davis Mills to make a mistake. He did. Marcel Harris comes up with a big pick in this football game. Um, what happens after it is irrelevant at this point. Because it didn't get called? It didn't get called. And so you only go with what happened actually on the field. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'll take one in our favor, everyone. Just just occasionally. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, and it was big. And, and, yeah. Uh, here's a fun fact for you and the cutback crew. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. you already know this, but maybe the cutback crew does not. The 49ers are undefeated when one of us gets a wild that's bold prediction correctly. Nice. Just saying. Just saying. Now, my wild that's bold offensively almost came true, though. I, I got to point this out. I did say that Trey was going to throw for two touchdowns. Yeah. But uh, the other part of that was that the 49ers quarterback room was going to have three touchdowns. So Jimmy was going to rush one in. Uh, that obviously, Ridiculous. that obviously didn't happen. Malarkey baloney from you. It was malarkey baloney, but I got it fifty percent correct. So sure. hey, hundred percent. Look at that. Uh, but look defensively, uh, my wow, that's bold was Jimmy Ward and Tart versus Brandon Cooks and what I thought was going to be David Johnson, but he got COVID and uh, he spent spent time with Corona Chan, as uh, another popular YouTuber likes to say, and so he wasn't in the game. So Rex Burkhead kind of became the go-to aficionado. He had himself a nice game for the second straight week, um, but the Niners. Did what they needed to do. Uh, Jimmy Ward, Jaquiski Tart, yet again. Tart almost had the big sack on Davis Mills, too, and it's unfortunate he gets up in the air and comes down going in for, for Mills and catches his face mask and gets the 15-yard penalty. Um, I thought both guys played phenomenal yet again. I even loved Archuleta at one point, said uh, essentially said, 
you know, I don't understand why why the Houston Texans keep trying to attack down the seams where the safety help can be. That's not where you're going to have success attacking against the 49ers. Their safety play is fantastic. you got to get outside one-on-ones, outside the numbers. And it's just like, someone's been watching the 49ers cutback. Because you, that what is, you want to be like is, stop don't saying, tell them. Adam, stop saying that. Yeah. Keep letting them run down the <laughs> middle of the field and seam rats. It's fine. That's not going to work out for them very well. Um, but look, Jaguiski Tart and Jimmy Ward have been playing great all year. Whiskey Tart has shown how almost inexpendable he is right now. I mean, I don't, I don't believe he's expendable. I love Talanoa Hufanga's development. I don't think Talanoa Hufanga's development is better than Jaguiski Tart right now. I just don't see it. Nope. Um, and I'm not convinced that it'll be ready by next year. I don't. I just don't see it. I really don't. When Jaguiski Tart is healthy, Jaguiski Tart is just so talented, man. He does so many great things for this team. Um, him and Jimmy Ward together, it's just. Like peanut butter and jelly. It really is. Yeah. It just it flows so well. There's nothing. I don't feel worried about our safety play. Um, when one of them is out, I definitely worry about the safety play. When when they're both in there, it's like, oh, they're they're so in sync. It's everything's fine. Um, it just feels right. And feels natural. Feels good. It feels glorious. And they showed again, to, you know, on Sunday why that is the case. Uh, Jaquiski Tart and Jimmy Ward. Man, what a combination. And the fact that nobody wanted Chukwiski Tart. Nobody, nobody was willing to pay this man money. Um, I, I will keep not wanting to pay this man money. I, I will keep bringing him back uh, for as long as humanly possible. Yeah, I think they're going to find a way to try to bring him back. Because you, you can use Talano Hufanga in a hybrid role. You've seen them use you know, three safety looks, you know, especially when Hufanga was you know, healthy. This is going to be something that they're going to have to address. They have questions all over the place, Alex. And one of those questions, we brought up Josh Norman. And we said, you know, who's it going to be? Is it going to be, is it going to be Dante Johnson? Is it going to be Josh Norman? What if it's neither? Um, what if Emmanuel Mosley is back and they go Emmanuel Mosley and Omri Thomas? Uh, we have not considered this, but that is a distinct possibility because Omri Thomas over the last couple of weeks has showed drastic improvement, including enough to make John Lynch go into KMBR and say he sees Omri Thomas as a starter for the 49ers for a long time. I think that is a quote that may be eluding to the fact that once Mosley's back, it could be Ombre Thomas, who is long and lengthy, like Emmanuel Mosley, even though they're close to the same height and everything, the same length, body style, speed, everything. It could be time for them to go that route. And maybe we've seen Josh, the end of Josh Norman as a starter for the 49ers. And Dante Johnson, if Mosley doesn't play, is the interim guy. Um, but this should be some interesting talk as we get into the next few weeks. I don't think they'll outright cut Josh Norman. Um, but pulling him off the field where he has a bunch of performance incentives... Uh, might be a way also to prevent him from making more money next year. Uh, so it could be kind of a, a, you know, a kill two birds with one stone situation. That was actually going to be what I was going to go with. Yeah. If, if Josh Norman is being benched, he might be being benched because of the PI. And there may be something that he did. Like there may be a technique thing or an issue with that coverage that they called something specific, told him, don't get beat here. Hey, we're thinking this here, or, you know, they've, they've studied yeah. it in film all week and, he just didn't play the way they wanted him to, and that's why he got benched. Or, Ant, it very well could be the fact that he's been playing a lot of football games, a lot more football games than they thought he was going to be playing this year, and he's getting dangerously close to hitting some of those incentives. Um, if, if that is the case, Josh Norman, I'm sorry. You might, be, you might, be, you might also be out of time here in San Francisco. He's not going to get cut. Yeah. Um, 
but we may not have we may not see a whole lot more of Josh Norman on the football field. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's the actual case. I I think it is a performance thing because he did have the deep third on that situation, mm-hmm. and he fell for a double move. Brandon Cooks gave him a little little shake to the outside. He stopped, and then Cooks with his great speed was able to run by him. Norman recovered pretty well. He did. Uh, you have a little bit of a technique flow with the way he turned to look for the football, but he did look for the football. I thought all the contact was actually created by Brandon Cooks in that situation. Pulling him in. Um, yeah, so I, I think that he got, you know, he gets a bad rap a little bit, but he has gotten a lot of penalties this year that he absolutely deserved. Could it be the 49ers deciding that it's now time to go another route? I don't think that anyone um, actually expected Aubrey Thomas to have this sort of development this year. I think we all thought Aubrey Thomas was going to be next year and that Giamma Lenore was going to be the guy that showed this kind of improvement. But it's a good thing that it's Aubrey Thomas. Once again, a tip of the hat to Adam Peters because this was an Adam Peters guy. Stood up on the table. Stood up on the table in the draft and said, no, 100%, you could take this guy. When the 49ers missed out on Paulson and Debo, Aubrey Thomas is the guy. But he said he's a development guy. He's going to take a little bit. He sat out for the entire 2020 season. And you know what? Aubrey Thomas is starting to show up. Well done, and if we do get lucky and Aubrey Thomas is playing at that level, him and Emmanuel Mosley could be just what the 49ers secondary need in the playoffs. Heading into the playoffs, 100%, but hey, you mean to tell me that the 49ers did the right thing, making him sit, develop, learn, work on things without pressure, that he'd be ready for late in the season when you could throw him out there into the fire? The Niners did the right thing? Well, they they never intended on Aubrey Thomas playing football games. Again. I don't think they did either, but it no. got to a point, obviously, where they had to make the make the switch. Um, it looks like it worked. Yeah, no, it works. I mean, because there's real development, right? We've seen development uh, at all positions in the defense. You've seen Chris Kacerik develop his defensive line when D'Amico Ryans was linebacker coach. You've seen all these guys develop, whether that's Aziz Alshair, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, Flanagan Fowles, Marcel Harris. The development is real in the defense. The secondary has been the same way as you've seen Emmanuel Mosley come along. You've seen Jason Verrett get back to health. Now, Jason Verrett's a special talent. Um, but you've seen the development of Talano Hufanga from Diameter Lenore, now Ombre Thomas. They've got real coaches coaching up these football players, and that development's real. That's why practice situations, learning in film rooms, you can learn a lot. Is it as valuable as game reps? No, it's not. But it is pivotal to their improvement. And they're going to get game reps eventually. But you don't put them out there to get bad game reps. You put them out there when they are capable to get good, good game, game reps, reps and build on their performances. That's when you take players from being good to being great and from great to being elite. It's not about quantity of reps, Ant. Wait, about what? quality. Oh, 100%. Quality yeah. of the reps. As Coach Collins used to say, reps, reps, reps. I love reps only if they're quality. If not, get the f- out. Wow was a literal quote. Wow, yeah. It was the rep song is what we called it. Yeah. Back in the day. It was, it was a good song. My, my favorite uh, Collins moment, in fact, is I met him the first time I ever met him. Um, we were going over the defense for your football team and the McFadden defense. The good old McFadden. Um, and, was that and, the beach? Uh, no, it wasn't the beach. That wasn't um, the beach? Okay. No, that was when they were doing the long sticks and the short sticks. Ah, the sticks. I remember yeah. that. Okay. It was, remember, it was all the, 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 the flame names. Yep. Um, but yeah. Like, literally, I point out the weakness of the defense. Literally, the first thing I said to him is, well, wouldn't you just attack here? And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, that's the weakness of the defense. He goes, that's where I would go every single time. That's literally what I said right in front of McFadden. And McFadden just kind of looked at him like, and, and he kind of looked at me like with a little nod and a smile like, we're, we're Kendrick Spirits. I like that. Uh, yeah. So I had a lot of Collins was the Collins. greatest, dude. He's Coach hilarious. Yeah. Greatest. Great coach. Great coach. Fantastic coach. Yeah. Fantastic coach. Uh, but look, 
that was a high school coach. 49ers have professional great coaches, and, and they're doing professional great jobs with this 49ers team. Kisarek is the GOAT, as we all know. Oh, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. The defense has been playing at a phenomenal level. What about Forrester with the offensive line? Forrester with the offensive line, dude. Tom Compton? Hello? Tom Compton has stepped in for um, Mike McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey. And does, now does Tom Compton play himself into a position next year? We're thinking, you know what? I need Compton to be a swing tackle, or I need Compton to be here. Or has Compton even played him into the conversation to possibly play right guard next year next to Mike McGlinchey? Possibly. I, I think that Is he under a contract next year? No, he's going to be a free agent. Oh, they had signed him to a two-year deal. So there's last year. Someone, um, someone may sign him too. Oh, I think someone will try to sign him. But where does he have his success? Here. Playing for Forrester, playing for Kyle Shanahan. True. Um, Forrester also developed Trent Williams. That, that's one of the keys of why he was brought here to San Francisco. And he was the assistant for um, John Benton. And when Benton went to New York, he took over. Forster's a very accomplished coach. Yes, he is. Yes, yes, he is. I mean, like Tomlinson is playing some of the best football of his career. Has to come back next year. Has to. Uh, you can't not. It's mandatory. It's literally. I yeah. mean, there are, uh, there are, I can think of two names that are must resigns next year right now. Lincoln Tomlinson and Jaguiski Tart. Those two guys need to get brought back. Yeah. You have to bring those two back. Everyone else is a luxury that you would like to have back. Those two have to be back next year. Have to. Yeah. I no ifs, ands, or buts. I think there's a lot of players they want to bring back. How they're going to be able to work out it financially is going to be interesting. Um, but you know what? You know, in this game, Alex, we had you know players that stepped up in big time ways. And you know, we were talking about defense. So let's get let's talk about our defensive block is hot defensive players of the game. <laughs> And, you know, defensive block is hot, players of the game, Ant. There's just some guys that come to mind. There's actually a lot of names that come to mind. In fact, there's so many names that I can't pick one. So I'm just going to pick the whole D-line. Wow. Because the whole D-line, doesn't matter who was in there, whether it's Jordan Willis, whether it's Samson Ebucom, Eric Armstead, DJ Jones, Charles Amenehu, even Arden Nick Key. Bosa, Arden Key. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I, I know a lot of people are going to be like, Nick Bosa, he only had one assisted tackle on the whole game. You're right. But he was eating up double and triple teams the whole game. And a pivotal holding call. Huge holding yeah. call. I mean, and he beat he beat Pharaoh Brown oh. bad. And he beat him bad, Ant, really bad. I can't not give it to the D-line. The D-line had to be the, the, the dominating force, slowing down this run game, you know, not allowing the Niners to have to bring up that safety into the box continually to slow down and stop the run. And they did it. They did it yet again. Um, this is a completely different, in terms of slowing down the run game, very different from the 2019 season. They've had yeah. a lot more success slowing down the run than the 2019 team did. Yeah. Um, Adam, and, and my guy is Adam Archuleta talked all week or all episode, the game about yeah. the linebacker group. You know, Aziz Alshir is out. Harry Greenlaw is out. Um, the 49ers have some weaknesses, you know, in the linebacker group. You know where they don't have a weakness is that middle linebacker. And early in this game, All-Pro Fred made himself known. He got out there, he flew out on screen passes, you know, tackling Brandon Cooks in space. Um, and making all kinds of plays in the run game. And I thought he was the one that was kind of, you know, pivoting this defense in the right way, moving him in the right direction, and holding ground. Because there were times where it looked like, oh, wait, the, the, the Texans have very good and favorable third downs. Um, they would have third and four, third and three. But because you had this linebacker group playing the way they were, because you had Fred out in coverage, um, he was helping to take things away. And I thought Fred had an absolutely fantastic game. He held it down without Aziz, without Dre. He couldn't do it without all pro Fred. And I thought over the last few weeks, especially, he's been playing at a very high level. 
Fred Warner has been absolutely phenomenal, Ant. You are not wrong about that at all. 15 tackles in this game, slithering all over the field and all over Texans offensive players. I know I love to see it. I know the cutback crew loves to see it. Um, and they should also, right now in the comment section down below, leave your block as hot defensive players of the game because we're moving on from the defensive side of the ball to the offensive side of the ball. It's time to talk about straight beast offensive players of the game. My straight beast offensive player of the game um, is going to be a guy that needed to step up in a big way and he had to have a, a, a good game. Um, and it was a tale of two halves for him, but I'm going with Trey Lance because I think that Trey Lance in this game could have easily have shriveled up when he struggled a little bit at the first part of the game. But you know what? He held his ground. He was able to get it done. He got through the turnover with George Kittle. You've seen the way he was able to wipe that away. That's one of the positive things I've always liked about Jimmy Garoppolo is how he's able to just move past an interception. Trey Lance proved that he could do that in this football game. He got past it. And then he you know, had some key plays where he connected with receivers and made big-time plays. True. He needed to help his team get to the playoffs. He did just that. He had to play better than he played against Arizona. He did just that. Um, and there was a first half that there wasn't a lot to build on. But in the second half, he changed the you know the way that he was going to be viewed in this game. And ultimately, his numbers were very good. Uh, he should have had a rushing touchdown to go with two throwing touchdowns and over 225 yards passing. So an excellent performance for him in the second half. I look for him to continue to, to grow off of this. Um, I thought the first half was shaky, but the second half definitely gets him the straight beast player of the game for me. I like it, Ant, because it's true. I mean, we needed a better performance than we got from the Cardinals game, and he did that in every way. Uh, found guys underneath, consistently made good throws, put the guy, put the ball in spots where guys could make catches. Um, and after the one mistake, there wasn't really a whole lot of errors. There wasn't. There really wasn't a lot from Trey Lance. Um, and when he got into crucial situations down the red zone, Ant, no turnovers. Um, you know, we, we took points when we could get them. Um, they converted this time around and, and got points into the end zone. Trey did what he needed to do today, and that's all you can ask for as a 49ers fan. That's all you could ask for if you were Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Trey, go out there, do everything you can to help us win this football game, um, and just limit the mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, and part of the reason that he was able to limit those mistakes was this run game, and that's why I'm going to give it to Elijah Mitchell like on the other side. Uh, two rooks. Two rooks, man. 21 carries, a buck 19 ant, uh, plus the two catches for 11 yards and a touchdown. Um, he had 132 total yards of offense. He had the big touchdown catch. Um, was gashing in the run and, and had a big run taken away from him as well. We can't forget about that on that silly holding call by Trent Williams. Um, Elijah Mitchell has shown week in, week out, all season long, why he's RB1 right now. He's, he's RB1 because there is not another running back in this running back room that does the things that he does. Breaks the arm tackles the way he breaks arm tackles, the speed to get out in space. Um, it's not Raheem Mostert's speed, but it is speed nonetheless, and we love it and needed it in a big way. You lost it last year in the 2020 season, and the run game was never the same once Raheem Mostert was gone. This year, the run game hasn't been the same, but it's been effective, extremely effective. Just not Raheem Mostert 50-yard touchdown runs explosive, but it's the next closest thing, which is 20-plus 20, 20 yard runs, which I think he is he lead the league in 20-plus yard runs. If he, he does, doesn't, yeah. yeah, he leads the league in 20-plus yard runs. That's a, that's a rookie drafted late that no one was expecting a whole lot of this year. In fact, everyone was expecting to be Trey Lance. And uh, when Jeff Wilson Jr. came back, Jeff Wilson Jr., uh-uh. It's been all Elijah Mitchell the whole way. And Ant, I'm all for it. Let's get me get me Elijah Mitchell and Raheem Mostert next year in this 49ers backfield, and I am going to be a happy camper. Yeah, I mean, Elijah Mitchell, yeah, did he get ran down in that play? Of course he did. He's going against a 4-3 defensive back who had an angle on him. He's going to get caught... There's only a few running backs in this league that don't get caught in that situation. One of them is Raheem Mostert. 
Um, but Elijah Mitchell's vision has continued to get better and better. He breaks arm tackles consistently. This is a great weight for him to play at. He's around 210, 212 pounds, um, which is a little bit different than he played in college at 218, but less or but more than what he played at the combine, right? Or, or his pro day, where he was around 205 and ran that 4340. I think that you know he's going to be a tremendous back for the 49ers for a long time. But Kyle Shanahan relies on him when he's in there. And he's rushed for over 800 yards, second all-time for a 49ers rookie behind Ricky Waters, um, who hit 1,000 yards in his rookie season. So I think that Elijah Mitchell is progressing nicely, and he had himself a great game. And you can tell the difference between the 49ers run game with Elijah Mitchell and without it. It's way more dynamic. I look forward to seeing this guy continue to progress. But it looks like Kyle Shanahan has you know locked on and found another gem uh, that he's going to be able to use for years to come. What an absolute stunner of a situation, Ant. What an absolute stunner. And so I'm looking here, too, because I'm trying to figure out um, the actual number for rushing yards in the season for him. He had 121, I believe is what it was, in this last game. Or 119, I believe. 119. So that would put him at 877 or 76 yards. So he is about a buck 20 from a 1,000-yard rushing season in his rookie campaign. Hold on, wait for it. In eleven games, yeah, that is nonsense. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean that's one thing that he's going to have to do um, better in year two than he did in year one. Alex to stay healthy, hundred percent. Um, of course, you know his body will get a little bit better. They always learn how to develop a more NFL body. True. They'll get a full off season. You know, this last year they went through the the drafts situations, the pro days, and all that. That's not the same workup and same off season. You saw Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, all those guys change the way that their body looks going from year one to year two. I believe Elijah Mitchell will do the same thing. I'm expecting it, some hot yoga with Debo Samuel in the offseason. It, it could be. And I mean, some of it could be too, just, you know, them finding another another running back that maybe takes eight to 10 snaps away from him mm. because the 49ers weren't really willing to go Jeff Wilson too much um, in the game yesterday. Nope. And they didn't go with very much to Michael Hasty. We just see Hasty catch the ball in the backfield True. in third down situations. But you can tell Kyle Shannon feels comfortable leaving Elijah Mitchell on the field, whether it's first, second, third, or fourth down. Um, and that kind of that kind of respect early on in his career means good things for him in the future because Kyle, if he trusts you, he's going to keep giving you the rock. He definitely is, Ant. He's going to definitely keep giving you the rock, which is why I think the Moserati and him would make a fine pair next season. I but, like that. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. But let's get to the Hurt Business, Ant, before we take up too much more of the Cutback Crew's time. Time to, to inaugurate and bring in some people who laid the hurt on this Houston Texans team. Let's get to the hurt business. Yeah, the first guy I have to go with in the hurt business was Fred. Um, because Fred was, you know, hitting people hard, slithering over the top of them. Um, but when he makes tackles, he doesn't go backwards, he goes forward. When you go forward, you limit those extra yards, but you also set a tone that everyone can follow. You want that to happen. You want to win the point of contact, and he was doing that again. Um, so, yeah, Fred, hit her business, and that's what you need from your middle linebacker. 100%. Ant. You definitely need that from your middle linebacker, and he brought it again. Yet again, this is the second straight week where he's played at, a, he's playing at all pro Fred levels again. And I love, I love to see it. Um, and I say again because that's what faithful a lot of people have been saying, but the reality is, is Fred's been that guy all season. Yeah. He's been doing things in different ways. Um, the next guy has to be Trent Williams, who yet again took somebody to the bench, literally carried someone out of bounds to the sideline and was like, go sit down. This is this is your spot over here. Um, he didn't bring the benches to the stadium like the Washington football team's been doing, bringing their own team benches, having them shift 
to their opponent's field for, for some odd reason, which backfired in their face magically the last few weeks. But he is taking people home, Ant. Showing them to their sideline and being here, this is where you belong, go stand over here now. Um, he's doing it in a big way each and every week. And I love that Archuleta gave him some love as well on the, on the broadcast and was talking about how, you know, George Kittle said that he is probably one of the best football players, like, in the league. Just, like, football, he's one of the best players in, in football. Um, and, and, you know, linemen don't get that kind of love, typically. And he, he said, you know, George isn't wrong. He's playing at that kind of level, and he is. He's playing at a level that, you know, I don't know if Bailey ever played as dominant in both the run and the pass the way that Trent Williams is playing right now. No. Trent Williams is worth every penny that we spent, and... God, good God almighty, man. Can you imagine this run game without Trent Williams? No. I don't want to even, I don't even want to think about it. Um, Trent Williams is the first ballot Hall of Famer. And he's also, if we were actually going to crown someone as the NFL MVP for being the best player, he would be the guy. Trent Williams. Um, he's going to break PFF's, you know, code basically, because he's going to be the highest graded player in the history of PFF um, for a single season at close to 99% right now. You could finish the season over 99%. That's that's completely unheard of. Are they going to dock him this week for that stupid holding call? Probably not. Um, I, I think don't do I, it. they'll even think it's stupid. Um, but yeah, I think that you know there's other guys as well, and I'm going to go with Kyle Juszczyk. Um, Kyle Juszczyk on the George Kittle fly sweep, gets around the outside, absolutely seals it, takes a guy to the house, you know, to his home, um, drives him back. Every single week, Kyle Juszczyk shows up with the blocking game, executes just the way he needs to, whether it's wham blocking, you know, whether he's out there in ISO situations, um, going against the grain, or he's, he's pass blocking. He just does it all at a big-time level. Uh, definitely has to be a part of the hurt business because nobody blocks the way he does. And him and George Kittle on that finish, what would have been Trey Lance's touchdown, absolutely handling that uh, quarterback power. Oh, 100%, Ant, and that's why George Kittle was going to be the next guy I was going to say because nice. George Kittle George Kittle didn't do it in the receiving game too much today, and that's a okay because when your run game is going as effectively, you know George Kittle's out there making huge blocks, and he did in a big way. Consistently all game, I saw him not only sealing guys off, but taking guys just... There was one time on the left side of the line where both him and Trent Williams took guys almost to the sideline. They both were just like, you guys are going this way now. Took them off to, you know, never, never land, and never to be seen or heard from again on that play. Elijah Mitchell was able to run anywhere he wanted to because of guys like George Kittle and Trent Williams. Because of this O-line playing the way it is, and because of guys like Kyle Juszczyk sacrificing their bodies to try and get four, just four or five yards and for the 49ers offense. And they consistently did it all game long. And again, that showed why they're one of the more physical teams in all of the NFL. And that's the kite that's those are the type of plays, the type of mentality and mindset that wins you playoff games. Yeah. Controlling the clock, moving the ball, and just being able to pound the rock at will, you know, basically break your opponent mentally and physically. Yeah, that's what travels. And that's really what travels. The other thing that travels is good special teams play. And you had Jeff Wilson Jr., Marcel Harris. You know, uh, Demetrius Flanagan Foles, um, all those guys stepping up on special teams. Mark and Zocha. Mark and Zocha. He had a good um, game. It's good special teams game today. For that, he did. Uh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, but no, I thought that I thought that ultimately though, Jeff Wilson Jr. making that opening tackle on the kickoff, he gets them pinned inside the twenty. That's a huge play in the game because the Texans were coming out to see what they could get on those kickoff situations. He ran it out two yards deep. Um, that's normally a situation they kneel or they let it go over. They did not. They tried to bring it out, and Jeff Wilson Jr. made him pay for it. I thought that's a big part of the game, and I thought it set the tone for the special teams. Special teams is needed when you're playing complementary football. The 49ers, when you have a good defense, a great run game, and then you play complementary football with the special teams, you know, filling their role, you have opportunities to win football games. That's what travels in the playoffs. The 49ers are going to do a lot of traveling because they're a wild card team. Um, so they're going to have to win on the road, but they've proven this year that they're actually better on the road than they are at home. <laughs> I think that's a good scenario for the 49ers if they can pull it all together. Absolutely is, Ant. Um, we'll see what happens. We're going to find out uh, all this week. The talk is going to be 
playoff scenarios, playoff scenarios. And as we get further into a week, we'll have them for you. We'll have those playoff scenarios. We'll be able to talk to you about them, break them down. But for now, Cutback Crew, let us know what you thought about this recap show. Did we leave some people out of the Hurt Business? Did we miss on the straight beast? It shouldn't have been Elijah Mitchell. It should have just been Trey. Ant was right. Alex, you were wrong. Let me know about it in the comment section down below. And then Block is Hot. Did we miss someone? Uh, let us know about it. Let us know we want to have these conversations. And what was your favorite moment from the game? I want to know because a lot of people, it's going to be different things. Might have been the Marcel Harris pick. It could have been Elijah Mitchell busting long runs or who knows. And I would think most people, it's going to be the big Trey Lance throw the Debo Samuel. I'm just saying it's probably that or maybe the George Kittle one-handed reception. Who knows? Yeah, I think that actually my favorite play in the game uh, will probably be a little bit different than most. Okay. And that is the Elijah Mitchell run because I think that was the first moment I knew the game was completely was over. And <clears throat> excuse me. You're good. Oh, um, that's what we needed. It choked, oh. You're just choking me up yeah, inside. I, 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 it's choking me up inside. It's I, such a beautiful. I, yeah. And it's, and it's a big fan of the run game. I don't yeah. know if you all knew this. That cough blew through my throat like Elijah Mitchell blew through the defense of the Houston Texans um, and got that nice run. And that was the moment that we knew the game was sealed. True. Yeah. Very, very true. Aunt. I like to use analogies. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, listen, Cutback Crew, there's tons of ways you can support the channel. You can like the video. You can subscribe, which is free, by the way. I don't, I don't know if you guys knew that. You're going to hit yeah. the subscribe button. It's free. And then if you decide like a week from now that you just hate our guts, um, you can unsubscribe for, for free as well. It doesn't cost you anything, but it does support the channel. It does pump out the content that all the other 49ers fans out there in the ether. And there, there are a lot of them. So let them know about the podcast. Like, subscribe, share, comment down below. Or, you know, if you want to support us a little bit more in depth, you can, give a, you, you can become a channel member right here on YouTube, get access to, to Madden gameplays and things of that nature, or you can go over to Patreon, and where you get additional 49ers cutback content, um, whether that's 49ers playthroughs with me on Madden, uh, 49ers fantasy football, which is going to get updated this week because it is finals, it is the championship week, and uh, unfortunately, after going 11-2 and in the regular season, your boy lost in the semifinal matchup by two freaking points because the Cowboys' defense... Or wonderful things like, uh, oh, I don't, I don't know what we have. Oh, those all twenty-two highlights, and where you get to yeah. go through all of the big plays from the previous game. There is tons of great content over on Patreon, and as the season and the year progresses, the content will change up a little bit. You'll get new shows, new ideas, new concepts, um, you know, and and also tons of new things coming to the regular YouTube channel as well. So make sure you're subscribed. Don't miss out on anything because we got a lot of fun stuff coming your way. Yeah, just like big yikes later on. Um, you're going to get a new episode of Big Yikes, and it's going to be jam-packed full of yikes. Because whether the 49ers win or lose, there's always yikes to um, come out. Some of them come out actually before the game. Some of them come out during the game. It's true. Uh, and it, you know, we like to get into it. We like to have a good time. If you like to laugh, jump over to Patreon and join, and you can you know, be a part of Big Yikes. It's a great time. I always enjoy it, and I'm going to be enjoying all the content that's going to be coming out this week as we're going to pump it out. We get closer and closer to this Rams game going through all the scenarios and the fact the 49ers, what they need to do to beat this Rams team and potentially put themselves in the playoffs um, for the first time since 2019. And then what will that mean for the 49ers? You know, how will they do in the playoffs? Uh, it's it's going to be a fun time here in the, the next week or so. Out. A thousand percent. Yes, it is. Cutback crew. We hope you enjoyed this. We'll see you on the next one. And until then, stay safe. Remember the right way is, is always the 49ers. way. Thank you.